Welcome to The Whole Marketer, where we look at the holistic skills the marketeers of today need to grow the brands and businesses of tomorrow, to ensure marketeers feel supported and empowered to have successful and fulfilling careers and lives as a whole. Hello, and welcome to The Whole Marketer podcast. Today's podcast topic is one that crosses all of the key areas of The Whole Marketer. It'll impact our technical skills, our soft skills, leadership skills, and also our personal understanding. It's ageism. Shortly, we welcome by today's guest, Nikki Bullard. But before we are, let me tell you what ageism is to me and why I believe it to be so important. Ageism is when you categorize individuals, or in our case as marketeers, consumers and customers, based on their age. Ageism is when either of these categorizations results in a negative outcome. This negative outcome could be a missed commercial opportunity, communication that misrepresents a certain age group, lessening your ability to connect, but also negatively impacting your brand, and also the impact that you may have on society as a whole and also individuals' self-worth. Ageism may also be impacting recruitment into the profession, resulting not only in a loss of experience, but also knowledge from some of those people that may indeed be in certain age groups who have a greater understanding of what it truly feels like to be within that age bracket. Today's guest is Nikki Bullard. She has won and judged at many of our major shows. In Khan's Lions, she won for the Miscarriage Association, Eurobest and one show for Cart Door Ice Cream. DNAD for Saving London Bees, to name just a few. She's been president of the direct jury for Khan's Lions and DNAD judged Khan's Titanian Lions last year and is currently judging direct Lions. She was chair of the Direct Marketing Association Council for two years and has advised charitable organizations such as Women for Women and chairs the Marketing Council for the Hope Collective, a collaboration between youth organizations and brands to change the conversation about young people. Nikki regularly speaks at events and has spoken this year at Khan's Lions Festival on the subject of ageism. She also contributes to industry press frequently. Nikki was the first creative woman to become chair of a UK marketing agency and was ranked number one chair for two years on the Creative Pool Network. Nikki was also named as one of the Ad Ages Leading Women of Europe and has featured in the Financial Times Heroes List three times, was recently featured in Campaign Top 20's Creatives and was just named Campaign's Agency Leader of the Year for Customer Engagement. On her watch, she has taken both LIDA and MRM to Campaign Agency of the Year title a total of three times. Nikki, welcome to the Whole Marketer podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be talking about one of my favourite subjects. And that favourite subject of ageism is what we will be talking about today. So, Nikki, let's start with that big, juicy question. What is ageism to you? Cool. It is a big, juicy question. I think most simply it is being judged by your age, not who you are, not what you believe, not what you care really care about, not what you're good at not what you've achieved, and also being misrepresented. So in the world that I work in, I'm creative. I work with data and my clients work with data and it's how we target our audiences. And if you think about one of the most simplest data capture forms there is, is the tick box about your age. And if you think about that tick box, you've got, you know, 20, 25, 30, 35. When you get to 55, it's kind of 55 plus and there's this sort of gap this lump that you're put into if you tick that box. And for me, that's where misrepresentation comes from because we're not one big homogenous group. There's some very different people with very different motivations within that group. And I think it's stuff like that that has driven us to the point where 
only 12% of people over 55 are main characters in ads. And that's crazy. And when I say main characters, I'm talking about the ones that are on chairlifts or the ones that are in equity release ads or the ones that are in chairs that move up and down and their legs pop out and the ones that can barely walk. And it's just like we're over 55s. We are very different people, but we're also buying the same things as everyone else. So it's that misrepresentation as a creative person. It's my responsibility and gift to do something about that. And then there's the bit which is about not being represented at all and how that makes people feel. They feel irrelevant and therefore invisible. So it's quite complex, actually, but it's big and it's out there. But there is something we can do about it. Well, let's go there. What can we do about it? Well, I think, first of all, we need to look at the issues and the people who are creating the work that goes out into the world. So I think as a marketing industry, we've had an obsession with youth since I certainly joined it, which is 30 odd years ago when I was a youth. But when we look at the makeup of our advertising agencies, for example, around 5% of people within agencies is over the age of 50. And they tend to be more likely to be white guys on the boards. And actually, even the women who are over 50 seem to be in very senior positions. So we're losing a lot of experience along the way. And what does that mean? Well, I think from a creative point of view, you know, I could put a 25-year-old creative team onto a piece of work aimed at people over 50, if we were working on that, and they do a great job. But we'd miss the nuance and that deep understanding of what it feels like to be at that life stage. And it's really interesting because when we get to over 55, we are not valued for our experience. We're seen as expensive in the world of things being done faster and cheaper. And that definitely is the marketing world over the last sort of 15, 20 years. We're cutting out that experience and we're hiring younger And then the experience we're losing is moving to the freelance market. Irony of that is, is that when we have a great big job on and we might need some extra resource, we'll bring in that experience and that talent and that craft because we know that those people will come in and they'll deliver in a way that maybe younger people can't. And it's just what really, really annoys me is when you look at other professions like doctors and lawyers The older they get, the more experienced they get, the more respected they are. You know, in our industry, it's the absolute opposite. So Mm. I think, you know, we're we're losing the talent that will bring the nuance and the craft and experience that we need. And we're not mentoring the younger people who are coming in. They're not getting the same amount of mentoring that I did when I was coming in. Those people who've been there, seen it, done it and done it brilliantly and will give you the time and help you learn. So it's that side of that's sort of the looking inwards at the industry. And then from a brand point of view, I think it's actually quite strong terminology, but I do think it's marketing suicide. You know, we're ignoring 50% of the UK population. And in 2040, 63 pence in every single pound that is spent will be spent by people over 50. Yet we're totally ignoring them. We're not marketing to them. And it's just, it seems absolutely crazy. It's, you know, I'm not brilliant at maths, but it doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, as I said, people over 50, they buy everything that everybody buys they buy butter they buy perfume they buy sofas they buy technology but where are they in the work that we're putting into the world and just going back to that point about ageism being about misrepresentation a recent study by the advertising association said that 88 percent of people over 50 were really unhappy with the way they're represented in ads 66 percent feel ignored which is horrific because then you feel irrelevant and then this is the worst stat, which is 15.15% feel depressed or disheartened by how they're represented in the work that goes out into the world. And we spend so much time as an industry saying, we're going to do the right thing. We're on the pulse of culture. 
yet we're putting work into what's making people feel depressed. It's outrageous to me. And I feel it's, you know, we have to do something about it. It is our responsibility, but it's also within our gift to do that. One thing that's really clear, Nikki, is how passionate you are about this, both for the industry and personally. And as I was listening to you there, there seems to be four themes that ageism is impacting. The first one is misrepresentation. So actually reflecting those individuals over 55 correctly. There is another which is around representation, actually making sure that that demographic feels seen and heard in a way that actually is reflective of who they are and the impact that that's having on their mental health. There feels another area which is about us as an industry and actually the talent, retaining the talent of the over 55s. And I completely agree with you, as you say, you know, most professions allow you to go all the way to retirement age. There isn't this kind of drop off or tail off of individuals like there is in our profession. And I've seen it. And I know we spoke about it before the podcast today to make sure that we are embracing a wealth of experience, but also ensuring that wealth of experience helps mentor and bring in that new generation. And then the last one, which is around brand. And actually, for those that are listening, that are writing that long-term strategy, that are thinking about who they are going after, and I'll come back to that who in a second, there is a massive commercial opportunity with the over 55s. And this reminds me of a piece of study that I saw probably about five years ago at the Festival of Marketing, where not only were the over 55s misrepresented, but actually how we've been educated about the over 55s has completely changed to decades ago, where actually they weren't that affluent. And so it wasn't as great a commercial opportunity as it could be. Whereas actually now the over 55s are more affluent than they've ever been. So actually, if you're looking for share of pound or share of disposable income, it's actually sitting in those demographics. 100%. And I think, you know, as we move into the cost of living crisis, it's more important than ever to be talking to those people who may still have some disposable income, especially as they are the savers as well. So they're going to, you know, the upside of the interest rates and everything. I just think it's just for me, it seems absolutely crazy that they're ignored. And like you say, the mental health side of it, that we're actually pushing them away, not just ignoring them, but pushing them away when we do recognise them. And although we're here to talk about ageism today, what's clear is that actually, as marketeers, targeting based on age is really a dated approach. You know, we know that we need to build deep-rooted emotional connection with our consumers and our customers based on values, attitudes, and beliefs, not always based on age. (laughs) And so not only are the over 55s not being heard, I would argue that a lot of age brackets or the Gen Z or the Gen X or the Gen Y are being clustered based on their age stage, but not actually based on the things that motivate and drive them on that deep rooted level. And that's where tribal targeting has come into play. But even more so important, I think when we are talking about differences of life stage and that as a kind of convergence, if you will, between attitudes, values and beliefs and also where we are in our stage of life also. Absolutely agree. And I think, you know, age age is not an identity. And I think we've got very confused in our world, in our marketing world in the last few years. And I think at the end of last year, the agency that I'm working with now, a and Low Group, we did a study called The Invisible Powerhouse. And it's absolutely fascinating. So this was a, I call it my rageism, this rageism that I've been on already. And then I joined an agency that was absolutely investigating those tribes and actually in those attitudes and looking at 
a bunch of data, as well as speaking to some wonderful people in the 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, and looked at those tribes, actually, and really sort of, it's just sort of scratching the surface, but wow, the stuff that's uncovered. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the those tribes, and then it kind of brings to life just how different we are. So we discovered seven, and the first one was the caring conformist. So this is the person who, for them, family is centre stage, is everything. They're most likely to trust the government and have health checkups, but they're least likely to break the rules. And then you go to social progressives. That was 14% of the segments that we looked at. And they standing up for issues like climate change. They're really curious. They love art, music, and culture. And they're most likely to be those people who are gluing their hands to the tarmac. They're most likely to join something like Extinction Rebellion and say, buy cheap, buy twice, but they're least likely to fill out a place at opera. So you can see there's such differences. You've got experienced lovers, they love travel, they're most likely to learn coding, for example, that's totally fascinating, they're least likely to count their calories. And there's seven of these segments, and I won't go into all of them, but what I find fascinating is take the social progressives who are standing up for issues that they care about, and they really are standing up for them, might have more in common than a 30-year-old than another 70-year-old. So I think that's where it gets really interesting, as you were just saying. Age is not an identity. You know, we all think, behave and buy differently. So let's not lump the over 50s into that one big box, that one big tick box. So from that study, and what was really great about it is it gave us some wonderful pointers and some conclusions that really help us drive forward the work and also people we work with. So the first one, as we said, age is not an identity. In fact, no one is old in their mind. I'm 53 now and I still feel like I'm 28 and actually is around that age, 28, 30, where we stop growing, if you like, from a mental point of view, that's where we stay, which I think is fascinating. The other learning, as, as I've, I've sort of banged on about quite a bit already, is that the over 50s are not one group and the tribes bring that to life. And as I say, that's just scratching the surface. The other one is making sure that when we're creating work or we're targeting, let's look at interests and motivations and not just demographics. And the one that drives me nuts is this, let's normalise older adults in advertising. As I said, we buy butter, we buy perfume, we have knickers, we have sex, we do everything that everybody else does to normalize it and I think you know as I say that 12% that we do see in leading roles in advertising are normally in products specifically made for people who are older why does a family have to be a family a couple of parents in their mid-30s with little kids around a table you know spreading that butter on toast why can't it be someone older on their own an older loving couple I mean why does it have to be you know the family or the youngsters doing TikTok and you know we know that if we look at Facebook for example that's huge amongst the older audience, you know, grandparents, for example, are on that all the time. And then finally, the one that for me as a creative person is probably the most important is treat people who are older with authenticity. So, you know, you get the extremes from the old female, you know, lady with her bad hips to the granny on a motorbike, neither of which are necessarily the norm amongst older age. Treat people who are older with dignity. Very important. That's something that came out of our study. There was some work we shared from one of the brands, which really embarrassed people over 55. And it's just, so, again, that's back to who's creating the work, making sure they understand the nuances they're dealing with. And finally, the one that came up, we did some video interviews as well. And it was wonderful to look at the light in people's eyes and the joy in their eyes and the fact that they love humour and wit. And this age group, and I'm one of them, Grew up in the golden age of advertising where ads were entertaining and funny and they made us laugh. People of that age, you know, yes, people have health problems and some people have wealth problems, but 
we all still want to be entertained. And just because we're over 50 doesn't mean to say that's all we need to think about is our achy hips and how do we get up the stairs. So that was wonderful. So we had some really good pointers to push us forward. What's coming out loud and clear, Nikki, is what makes sure that you don't miss out on that lost commercial opportunity, A. Absolutely. B, is that advertising is really important because that's the thing that human beings see out of society. But for marketers listening, this starts right at the beginning. This starts in your targeting, in your strategy, in your proposition development, making sure that you're developing products and services that satisfy, yes, the over 55s, but more importantly, the attitudes, values and beliefs accurately and authentically. And the third point is really about making sure that we don't miss the talent that is in our industry for the over 55s. And pointers on those first two things can be found in the Invisible Powerhouse study, which I will link to in the podcast. And what's clear to me, Nikki, is how passionate you are about this topic. And one of the reasons I invited you on the podcast is I saw the post that you had put out on social media when you were at Cannes with a sticker on your chest that said, pass the sell-by date. Tell us more about that. <laughs> so as I said at the beginning is as a creative person who's making work, putting out into the world, we have, you know, a responsibility and an opportunity to change what's happening. The Creative Festival at Cannes is the biggest, most people I'm sure who are listening know this, the biggest creative celebration on the planet. Once a year in June, agencies, brands, tech companies, celebrities all head to the south of France and we pat ourselves on the back and we do judging and, and awards. And last year, I just joined a low group who had commissioned a study, which had it reignited my rageism. I just thought, I'm going to about to go to the south of France where everyone's patting themselves on the back and wanging on about youth and not talking about this subject. And actually, the people are being celebrated are the younger people. And as I said, there's all these people, all this talent in the industry that's now being overlooked because they're over 50. So I created this oversized best before sticker, stuck it on my T-shirt, on my chest, put my 50th birthday date on it, which had been two years before, which effectively was saying I'm, I'm out of date, took a shot of myself put it on LinkedIn and it all went a bit crazy over the next couple of days while I was in the south of France. So it had 125,000 views. We had so many comments. I was walking up and down the Croisette in Cannes, handing out my stickers. People were stopping me. We were talking about it. And it was really wonderful that we were getting, you know, so much traction. It was it was a subject that was happening during the festival. And what was also quite fascinating that at the time I was doing this, there was an 80-year-old headlining at Glastonbury, which was Sir Paul McCartney. There was a 60-year-old who was smashing the box office, such as Tom Cruise. Yet again, in our industry, we don't celebrate it. So, you know, it's quite moving. Some of the people who wrote their comments talking about how they were just coming up to the age of 50 and starting to feel irrelevant in the industry. And you just think, oh my goodness, this is such a big problem. So that was kind of from the internal point of view. And it was kind of fun, but as I say, really moving and important. But it really ignited a conversation, which is one that, you know, like it's wonderful being on the podcast today. It's one that we can keep going until we solve it. So why do you think that is? Because I know we spoke offline about this, that I'd also noticed it. So I'm not in my 50s, I'm in my 40s. And I've already noticed it. I've already noticed this change in role types that marketeers have as they do age chronologically, let's put it that way, because we don't, as you say, we don't feel any different inside. And I will tell you a story about that in a sec. You know, we don't feel any differently inside. And actually something that's really 
poignant was at when my dad turned 50, I said to him at that time, as someone in her 20s, do you feel old? Obviously now, being in my 40s, it's not old. But mm-hmm. I remember saying to him, do you feel old? And he said, no, I feel exactly the same inside. And I remember thinking, oh, give over. Like That was literally what I was thinking inside. And I now heading towards that next milestone, know exactly what he means. I know exactly what he means. We do feel exactly the same inside. Maybe a little bit more tired, maybe, you know, speaking personally with a hip that hurts from time to time, with (laughs) menopausal symptoms, maybe with lack of sleep from the night before, but we're still here with a wealth (laughs) of experience. Why do you think this happens? I think it's because we're in denial. We don't want to, like you were saying about your dad. I mean, I remember my father turned 50, exactly the same thing. God, he's getting old and thinking, you know, he really is. And that was my lens on it. And I think, yeah, we're in denial. None of us, as we're approaching it or being young, we don't want to see what is the inevitable. And, uh, you know, shock horror news, everybody. We're all going to be over 50 at some point. But I do think it's a bit of that. I think, like you say, we're the same inside. It's Again, it's this crazy thing, which is from a, a creative experience point of view, you're the same in size you're still that 30 year old you've still got this sort of inquisitive and curious mindset but you've also had more experience of culture more experience of life and the wonderful thing about getting older and I don't know if you're starting to feel this I certainly am is that the older you get the less of a you give excuse my language and it's true I'm so happy to say what I think because I'm, I'm a bit tired I just I'm a bit more impatient I'm a bit more frustrated with the world so I'm much more happy to say Well, I think, and that's hugely liberating. And from a creative point of view, being in a room, sitting with other people and just blurting out your stream of consciousness in the room and not being worried about someone calling you an idiot because you just don't care is amazing for the industry. But I do think we're in denial. We don't want to see what's going to face us all, which is so superficial because it is just what's on the outside. For those listening, we are all chronologically aging. What can we do to do better, Nikki? Where can we start? So really interestingly, I think there's a very practical one here, which is around if you're on the creative side, sometimes we're commissioning photography and casting is definitely one place we need to look at and be really conscious of whom we're casting and why. But often we're choosing, for example, stock imagery. So we'll go to an image library. Now, I think about the image library in my head. When I think of, if I say grandmother, I will have an image of a little old lady with grey hair, probably knitting some booties, right? Something like that will pop into my head. Now, that's that's not my fault. That is about the images in, I think, that are in culture coming together and creating a single image in my head. So what's wonderful about this sort of image library all in our heads, which drive our stereotype, how we stereotype people and we behave and talk and project to people is that we have the chance to change that by changing the images we put into culture. So this is very, is the superficial kind of side of it, if you like. So interestingly, I found a little fact, which was, if you go on an image library and you put in woman 60 and type that into the search engine, the image library will serve me up with these images. Probably a lot of them will be stereotypical and you'll go, there's no cool or authentic images of people of age. The interesting thing is that your account on the image library is actually a personalised algorithm. So they serve you with the results that are similar to the things you've chosen or searched for before. So it's a perpetuating a bias. So there's a chance for us to stop and think at the point of, as I said, casting, but image choice and stop ourselves and say, hold on, am I doing this authentically? Have I got this right? 
looking around you at people who are over 50 and saying, is what I'm about to put out to culture really reflecting reality? So I think that's where the opportunity lies. If we change the imagery that we're putting out into culture, we can change the image libraries in people's heads, which in, in turn will change the stereotyping. It's really interesting that you talk about the image library and the stock images and the impact that that has on obviously the advertising that we create and therefore put out into the world. Because I was at the Marketing Society Changemaker Conference this Wednesday and Dove were doing exactly the same thing, but for women as a whole. So they have put a significant amount of investment as part of their purpose to Getty Images to make sure that images reflective of women's true identities and not just kind of the beautiful few that are used traditionally in advertising. And also building casting reels of all different types of women from all different races, shapes and sizes and encouraging advertisers to cast these individuals into their content and actually by covering the cost of their participation to even incentivize them to do so. And it almost feels to me that there's a piece here which is yes, definitely for the over 55s to change those biases, as you say, of that granny knitting booties or <laughs> whatever that may be, but also for everyone to feel truly represented, to feel oh. truly seen, heard, reflected in advertising as a whole. And I think we just need to do better. We just I, need to oh. do better. I totally agree. And my last agency, actually, and it's something that's continuing, it's not out in the real world yet, but firstly, Dove, amazing. They've done so much and they've really sort of, I think, spearheaded so much of this work and can only just applaud them and thank them. Been incredible. Also, Getty Images. So around the time of George Floyd incident, we were doing some work and I had a female creative team who were searching for images. They were both women of colour, but found themselves choosing people with white skin. And we're like, oh my God, what are we doing? And then because of the George Floyd incident, Black Lives Matter movement and everything that was happening suddenly became very conscious of what they were doing. And it was fascinating to us. So I went along, put a brief out to my creative department. So we've got to go to Getty Images and tell them that their image bank isn't diverse enough. And we had these ideas and I got a meeting with Getty Images and shared the ideas. And they said, look, we've got all those images. They didn't quite say it like this, but basically it's not our fault, it's yours. You're not choosing them. And back to that thing about how do we prick people's consciousness at the point of choosing imagery? So we created a tool that's called Reflection, actually, funnily enough. It's a plug-in so that when you're choosing images on Getty, it would give you a dashboard of your nearest largest city and show you your score of how well you're reflecting the demographic of an age and ethnicity and gender point of view of your nearest largest city. So you'd, you could see where you're scoring against reality. And it would prick your consciousness at point of image choice, which I think we are so inventive and so creative as an industry. There must be so many little ideas like that, that at the point of choice, we say stop. Because until you're conscious of it, you don't know about it. You can't change it. So it is about where do we prick that consciousness? But absolutely, I think we can do better with the images that we choose and the castings that we decide. But also we need to challenge ourselves because I do believe there is a lot of diverse imagery out there. We're just not choosing it. And that's the bit that we need to challenge ourselves. At that point, we need to challenge ourselves. That's a great point. And I didn't even know that was available. So that's my learning for today. So thank you for sharing that, Nikki. And as you mentioned earlier with your Khan's expedition, with your best before sticker, you do have a wealth of experience. And we also need to do better, not just in our advertising, but in our recruitment. You know, if we want to make sure that we are building these deep-rooted emotional connection with our consumers and our customers, we need to be able to understand better. And obviously having those voices in the room, 
helps, as does having voices in the room that don't give a sh- <laughs> because we will say it as it is, you know, not holding back. We're not fearful of saying, I don't understand because there's many things that we do understand and that comes with confidence in time. So with that confidence in time, I would love to hear about your career highs and lows, Nikki. I've been so lucky. I've had a lot of highs and obviously a few lows. My highs, about six or seven years ago, I moved to an agency called MRM and I was the first female creative to become chair of a marketing agency in the UK. And it was such a moment because I just thought, oh, creative people, you hear there are titles like creative chairperson, but it's still very much in the creative world. I was going in as chairwoman, which meant I was responsible for operational things, for all the finances, as well as all the creative output. And that was huge. And it was a massive learning curve for me. Obviously, I understood how the business worked and the money, but it was amazing. And for me, it was a chance to sort of wave a flag and say creative people can be business people too. For many years, you know, and being a woman or being a woman of colour or a, a gay woman, if you've got those extra layers as well, just being a creative person, you're not always taken seriously from a financial and business point of view, which is crazy because creative people look at things differently. They love turning things upside down and they, they don't mind pushing and taking risks. And I think it was just a wonderful moment. And then a few years later, became chairwoman of Europe for the business, which was also a fabulous moment. Any moment where... I'm in the creative department and someone shows me some work and it's amazing. And you think, how the hell did you get to that? And that even if the work, you know, gets presented, isn't bought by the client later on, it's that moment where that's when I skip out of the agency or where you've given someone a direction and said, oh, I'm not sure it's quite right. Why don't you think about that? And then they've thought about what you suggested and done something 20 times better than you suggested. And you're like, yay, that's amazing. And then I think The privilege of moments like this where I get to write quite a few articles and being able to have a voice like today and being able to use that voice to talk about things that really matter personally to me, but also more widely, especially to the industry. I'm a massive champion of our industry. I think we do a lot of good, but we've got a lot more we can do. So there have been lots of highs and there's every time we win an award, we're up on stage collecting an award. It's always wonderful. But actually, that seeing people grow, seeing people do great work and having the chance to talk and hopefully help sometimes change the stuff that isn't great in the industry. And then the lows, the lows, I think the worst moments have been where I've had to let people go. There are lots of perks to moving up the career ladder. But when you're in the situation where people's careers are in your hands and there are moments when somebody just hasn't worked out for whatever reason, or there are moments when you need to, you know, save some money and make a hard decision on somebody who's not done anything wrong at all. But it's that moment of, you know, yes, you need to shape your business and shape it accordingly. And as sans shift, you have to shape with it. But when you're also part of shaping someone's career and someone's future, and it might not have gone to plan for that person, is making sure that when they leave that conversation, they're ready for the next job. They're not feeling like this is the worst day of their lives. It's the worst thing ever letting people go. I should go back to one of my joys has been rehiring people that I've had to let go and hiring them in other places when I've moved to other businesses. So that's a wonderful bit. And I think a personal career low was when I was 22, I was in my first job, super green and super excited. And we had the first pitch opportunity. So a brief would come in. We're up against three other agencies. I was 
so amazed I'd cracked the idea. So it was my idea that was going to be taken into the pitch. And it was so exciting. And I said, oh, my goodness, you know, I've only been in business six months and I've got this moment. And I went to the guy who's the creative director at the time and said, when's the pitch day? Do we need to rehearse? What do I need to say? And he said, oh, you're not going. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. You know, maybe there's too many people said, why is that? He said, because you're cosmetically incorrect. They're those two words. They've stayed with me since I'm 22. So that's 30 years ago. And I was 22 and I thought, I don't know what to say. I had to sort of compute those two words, cosmetically incorrect. What did it mean? And then I really went into myself for a long time. And I was thinking, is it because I didn't go to university? Is it because I'm not posh? Is it because... You know, I'm not a man because in those days, 30 years ago, I mean, it was a, we were pitching for a big investment bank. So it was a certain type of person, you know, white men from posh backgrounds and stuff. Maybe that's why I was because I never asked what it meant. But what a thing to say someone. And I think also at the time I didn't have any senior women going back to the age thing and experience senior women in that agency for me to go to and say, what does this mean? What should I do about it? you know, they weren't there. I want to be that person for any other younger woman who's coming up or younger man or younger whomever who wants to talk to somebody who's got the experience, who's been there, who will help them in those moments. And I didn't have that. But that was a tough time. I nearly left the industry. I was like, I'm going to go and work in Tesco's and not have to worry about this crap. And I'm so glad I didn't. Well, we're all so glad you didn't. What I always see with my coaching hat on is those moments where words have been used powerfully and negatively, so cosmetically incorrect, often drives us to do something to make sure that that then doesn't happen to another individual. It's almost that unmet need on that day has then driven you to then make sure that's been a met need for other individuals. And I have no doubt that all a negative experience is probably what's driven you to sit here today with me and talk about how we make sure other people are seen and represented. Absolutely. So Nikki, thank you so much for your passion and your time today. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be able to talk about the stuff that matters to me and I think matters to our industry. Thank you so much for inviting me on. You are so welcome. And we always finish our podcast with the following question. What one piece of advice would you give to marketeers of tomorrow? Open your eyes, see how you are representing people of a certain age and challenge your agencies demand experience as well as youth working on your accounts and demand that people over 50 are represented accurately and respectfully. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Whole Marketer podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like, follow and share. The Whole Marketer is here to support and empower you and your teams with the latest technical skills, soft and leadership skills and behaviours and personal understanding for a successful, fulfilling marketing career and life as a whole. For support, resources and more information on how we can help you to become a Whole Marketer and build Whole Marketing teams, go to www.thewholemarketer.com. Thank you.